Welcome to the FFGF Podcast. We are a church located in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Our mission is to know God and to make Him known. We pray this message blesses you today. If you'd like more information about our ministry or how to partner with us, visit us at fredfulgospel.com. Thanks for listening. And uh, we want to just look into the word, as John Gordon reminded us, Easter is coming before us. And we like to think of Jesus. We like to think of his blood, his victory for us. That's what's the most important part. In fact, Easter, as you know, you should know, is the holiest event in the whole Christian calendar. It was there that Jesus died, shed his atoning blood, and then broke the power of our sin by being raised from the dead. And we have salvation, not because we're good, not because we go to church, but because of the blood and the cross of Jesus. We are saved by grace through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. And sometimes it's so hard for us to comprehend that because God is love. He went way beyond anything that human love can ever do. I'm going to prove that to you. I have something today. I don't know. I hope you're blessed by it. But I can tell you this. I didn't make this one up and I didn't get it from a commentary or someone else. God gave me this and I'm going to compare to you today the difference between human love and God's love. First, I want to give you what I felt the title of it should be. And I want every one of you to receive it. You are loved. You are loved by God. Amen. That feels good. We could dismiss right now and beat the Baptist to Cracker Barrel. Praise God. How many remember the song? You got to be a little older, so you might not want to admit it. But who remembers the song? What the world needs now is love, sweet love. That's the only thing. There's just too little love. You remember that? And we, we recognize the problem in the world is that there's not enough love. But I want to remind us there's one who sits on the throne. And the Bible says God is love. Not sometimes. He loves you all the time. And we as Christians ought to learn. In fact, Jesus said, by this shall all men know you're my disciples if you have love one for another. And that's God's love and God wants us to have his love. I want to look a little bit at the love of God today. And so if you'll turn with me to the book of 1 John, that's toward the back of the book, chapter 4. I want to read verse 7 and 8. And that will be on the screen, 1 John 4, 7 and 8. And here we see clearly delineated how God loves. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Amen. Let's say it together. For God is love. I didn't always know that. There was a time that I thought God was harsh. There was a time I thought God was angry at me and just willing to just snuff me out. I always saw the crucifix in my church, but never, no one ever told me 
until I was 17 years of old, Brother Steve, someone came and told us that the reason he died was he died for my sins. He paid the price for your sins, that the penalty of your sin has been removed. Not because you're worthy, but because God is love. Look what it says in the next verse. I wasn't going to read this, but this was a good one too. Verse 9. In this was manifest the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Verse 10. Here in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sin. That word propitiation means the merciful covering. God covers your sin in his mercy because he loved you that much. Praise God. You know, it's not hard to serve people who really love you. I have an easy time loving Sister Honey. Pray for the girl. She thinks I'm handsome. Pray for her. There's a real need there. She's crazy. But you know, I can't help but thanking God every day that God gave me someone like that. It should be easy for us to love God. He'll never hurt you. He'll never fail you. He'll never desert you. He's already gone before you to make a way for you. He's got all your troubles in his hand. Oh, I pray that this today will inspire us all to love him a little more. In fact, let me give you an assignment for this week. I trust we all pray some. How about we pray, Lord, fill me with your love. Ah. Oh, I, feel, I must be saying something good. I can feel it. Lord, make me love you more. And give me grace to love one another. I want you to turn with me to John 3.16. Very familiar verses. In John 3.16.17. We know those verses. Why don't we read them together. John chapter 3 verse 16 and 17. Alright. Let's read it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So God's purpose is not anger, not to withdraw himself because we're sinners. He did something about it. He made a difference. He sent his only begotten son from heaven's glory. He didn't come to condemn. He came to save. Religion should never be condemning, folks. And our church should never be condemning. You know why? We're all sinners saved by grace. The Bible says everyone has sinned. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. No one comes in here a saint. And actually your salvation is not because you decided to become good. It's God made you good. God changed you. God delivered you. God set you free. You were weak. He made you strong. You were drawn by the things of the world. And hallelujah, the things of God became real to you. 
and the peace of God and the joy of God. Someone testified here not too long ago. They got saved about 21. And when they found Jesus, they said this in the prayer meeting. I found that God was better than anything I experienced in the world. And so I feel like it's a privilege to serve God. It's a better way. It's a way of joy. It's a way of peace. Praise God. The things of this world and the sin of this world brings death, but Jesus brings life. Now there's something that I think is very interesting. If you turn to Mark chapter 16, that's the first gospel. Mark chapter 16, Jesus says something very interesting there. And you know, people then, like now, are looking for a sign. And you know, I believe that one of the things that God would like to do is he would like to send signs and wonders, right? Just to awaken the world. In fact, the Lord said to my wife that he wants to heal in this house that people will come to find him. We're not just satisfied with healings. We want healings because it inspires. It makes the reality of who God is real. In fact, Jesus said this, if you don't believe my words, believe me for the work's sake. Believe me for what I do. You know, the church should be filled with love, filled with miracles, filled with changed lives, filled with testimonies as to what God can do. But here, Jesus says, this is Matthew 16, verse 4. He says, a wicked and an adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and there shall be no sign given unto it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas, which is Jonah, and he left them and departed. So Jesus likened himself and his experience as unto the prophet Jonah. Now in Matthew 12, 40, which we don't have to look at, I'll read it to you. Jesus said this, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the son of man be three days and three nights in the heart of of the earth. And so Jesus wasn't going to give them any specific sign except for this sign that he was going to die and for 3 days he would be in the grave. I used to go to church the last thing we heard Joseph was that he was in the grave. How do we get it wrong so bad? Folks, he is not in the grave. He came out of the grave and he is reigning and he has the keys of death and of hell and he reigns forevermore on the throne and the God on the throne is a God of victory and love. But he gave us that sign and so it behooves us to just kind of compare Jonah and Jesus. I'm going to do that with you this morning. This is what God gave me years ago as a young father. I was young. And Jonah typifies our human nature, our love. And we find it wasn't really very good. In fact, we know Jonah was a great prophet. We're going to see at the end of the book, he preaches to Nineveh and the whole city repents. He had some power going on. He saved a whole city. But he did not have God's love. I'm going to show that to you. I want you to turn with me to the book of Jonah. 
and we'll look at these comparisons and I hope it will mean something to you because I feel it's very real. And so folks, we can't count on our own goodness, our own love, can we? We need God's love. You know, it says in Romans chapter 5 that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which God has given to us. Do you know when God comes into your life, you can begin to love this unseen God because you begin to see him. You don't see him with the physical eye, but you see him with the eyes of the spirit. You can sense God's presence. Sometimes it's so mighty it just breaks you, you want to weep. Because God can make himself real. And maybe even those individuals that you really didn't care too much about, and even people maybe you had something against, God can just move you to love them. So God is love, and God sheds abroad his love in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Somehow Jonah didn't get it very well. I'm going to read the first three verses of Jonah chapter 1. First chapter of Jonah, verse 1, 2, and 3. Let's look at it. It says this, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. All right. And so God tells him to go to Nineveh. He gets on a ship and he goes his own way. Not a good idea to run from what God wants you to do. All right. Why did he run? Because he didn't like the Ninevites. Why didn't he like the Ninevites? Because they were Assyrian, and Assyrian were enemies of Israel. So he didn't like his enemies. But you remember Jesus said, love your enemies, do good to those who persecute you. See, God's love is different than ours. We have our limitations. We love those that love us. We make over those that can help us. We seem to have men's person and admiration because of advantage. But to sometimes love the unloving, those who hurt us, those who maybe have spoken against us, we have a hard time. But God doesn't have a hard time because love is greater than sin. Grace is greater than our weakness and our failures. God can so fill us with love, folks, we can be more like him. Let's not find ourselves in Noah's mindset. Excuse me. Jonah's mindset. So Jonah flees from the presence of the Lord and he gets on a ship going the other way. Look at verse 4. And the Lord sent, how many know it's not a good thing to go against God? Yeah, it's not a good idea. Okay. But the Lord sent out a great wind, verse 4, into the sea and there was a mighty tempest in the sea so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners, verse 5, were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship and he lay and was fast asleep. Ultimately, they go to Jonah and they ask him about it. And Jonah says, you know, this storm is because of my sin. And so they took Jonah and they threw him over into the water. All right? Let's look at that a little bit. First of all, Jonah runs from God's will and presence, correct? 
Jesus does always the will of him that sent him. Jesus ran to our rescue and Jonah runs away from God's plan to help people. Wow, what a comparison between the human heart and God's heart. I want to remind you, Jonah was a believer. Jonah was a minister. Jonah was a prophet. Jonah was a man of God. But there's no heart like God's. It's an interesting thing. Jonah gets thrown out of the ship and is swallowed up by this whale. And of course, that was God's judgment and punishment. He was punished because of his sin. Why was Jesus punished? Why did he go to the cross? Did he go willingly? Did he run the other way? Oh, we know the closest thing that Jesus got was in the garden when all death came upon him. And he prayed and he said, Lord, if you be willing, let this cup pass from me. But God said, no. But he sent an angel and strengthened Jesus. And Jesus walked bravely through the mock trial, bravely through the beating, bravely through the scourging. And he hung and he died on the cross because he loved you and loved me. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Amen. How about we just say thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your love, Jesus. Thank you that that love includes me. Thank you that God so loved the world. Everyone is loved by God. God, make us to feel it today. Make us to recognize it like we've never recognized it before, that we can trust him. Praise God. As I said earlier, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. God did not have to die for us. He could have let us perish. He could have allowed us to have the guilt and the shame and the consequence of our sins. But he didn't because he cared for us. I want you to read a verse in Romans chapter 5 which gives us some good, good information about Jesus. Romans chapter 5 verse 8. It says this. Actually, I'm going to read 7 and 8. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man would some even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so I want to encourage anyone who's a sinner here today, because we all are. God didn't wait till you got to be a church member, dressed like a Christian, paid time, you know, cleaned up, separated yourself from the world. No, that's all happening because of the grace of God. It happens when we're at our very worst, when we're rejecting him, when we were in our most rebellious state. You were on his mind and his love chased you down and thank God maybe a brother or sister 
maybe a Christian, someone came to you, hallelujah, hallelujah, and spoke to you that word, and that Holy Spirit just engrafted that word in your heart and turned. Or maybe you are like my brother Joseph here today, who was at a, can I tell a little bit of your story, Joe? He had a wild party, doing all the things. We won't go into detail. <laughs> but Joe and Larry have often said to me, it's a miracle they're alive. But I need to tell you this story because I've never quite heard a testimony like this. As there's sin prevailing all around in that party and folks doing things that were evil in every way, Joseph's eyes are opened by God. And he sees all of his friends and they're being controlled by demon powers like puppets on a string. <laughs> and the devil's moving them and using them. And Joe knew God's hand was speaking. So he ran out of that place, white and fearful and not quite understanding but then he had a vision of Jesus on the cross. Joseph can't talk about it without weeping, so I'll tell you what happened. The eyes of Jesus looked to Joseph, and his heart was melting, and he was saved. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's many years ago now. And Joseph still melted every time he thinks about it. Oh, one touch from the master changes the life. One touch of grace changes the inner man. Takes away the heart and heart and fills the heart with a love and a respect for Jesus. And a knowledge that it's just not religion. It's a person, a God who loved me and paid the price that I could know him. Oh, thank God. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. I want to go back to Jonah now because uh, we're not finished with him. We have a humorous instance in chapter 3. I'm going to read it to you. Chapter 3, the first few verses. Verse 1. It says, And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. Verse 2. Saying, Arise and go unto Jonah that great city and preach unto it the preaching that I shall bid thee. And verse 3, and Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh. Yeah, he was three days and three nights in the bellies, the whale's belly. And he gives a little description of that. He tells about how the reeds wrapped around him. And the heat of that experience. Can you imagine being in that belly of a whale for three days? Just recognizing that you're bleaching, you're dying, you can't get out. There's all this stuff going around you and talks about the billows passed over me. It was a terrible experience. But he went through that because he put himself in that position. But why did Jesus suffer? Why was he wounded? Why was he bruised? He did no sin. Neither was guile found in his mouth. But he suffered because you and I were on his mind. He suffered because he knew it was the only way 
to purchase salvation for us. I've told you often I had a plaque in my home. It was just a little plaque. And uh, on that plaque it said, says, it was not the nails that hanged him or kept him on the cross. It was his love for you and for me. He knew that it was the only way unto salvation. There's no other name under heaven by which we might be saved but the name Jesus Christ. There's no redemption in any form, any other religion. The only salvation is in Jesus. I remember we had a good southern fellow here and his daughter was not believing in Jesus. And he, she said to him, she said, well, how do you know that it's only through Jesus that you could be saved? And Steve, he said, well, he said, I reckon he's the only one that's raised from the dead. He told me that. And I thought this man should be a theologian. <laughs> that is the heart of the matter. He died for our sins. We were buried with him by baptism into death. All your old nature, all your fallen nature, all your mistakes, all the sins that you don't want to tell, all the secret things, all the dark things were laid upon Jesus. All your sickness, all your disease were laid upon him when he went three days for your sin, not his sin, into the tomb. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Someone shout, hallelujah, and the stone was rolled away, and the angels came down, and Jesus Christ came out of that tomb, and when he came out of that tomb, you came out of it too. You don't have a dead religion, you have a living savior, you have God's conquering son in your life. I can jump a little higher than that too. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. So Jonah gets talked to the second time and he wakes up. I guess he didn't want another fish to eat him. <laughs> so he arises and he goes to Nineveh. And the Lord tells him to preach. And Jonah began to enter, verse 4, into the city, a day's journey. And he cried and said, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Boy, that's a strong message. So he had something of the fire of God. So the people of Nineveh, verse 5, believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest even to the least of them. For the word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne. Wouldn't you like to see Washington repent? All the people repent. And he laid his robe from him and covered himself in sackcloth and ashes. The king humbles himself. The people humbles himself. God loved those people. Jonah didn't. But God loved them. And he caused and he proclaimed and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles saying, let neither man nor beast, herds nor flock taste anything lest, and let them not feed nor drink water. But let men and beasts be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yes, let them turn everyone from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Wow, I'd love to see this declared in America. 
I don't think it would take long. I think that God would come with a strong vengeance and just cleanse our land and revive it with a great revival. But we're sleeping as a church. That's just a little addition. We really don't recognize what's before us. Folks, this is not America as usual. You better wake up. So, he says in verse 9, who can tell if God will turn and repent? Do you know God repents? There's a number of times in the Bible God repents because he never really wants to judge. He only judges us. There's no other recourse. You repent, you'll find God is merciful. And so this whole wicked city, it says this, and God, verse 10, saw their works that they turned from their evil way and God repented him of the evil that he said that he would do unto them and he did it not. He spared a whole city and I believe the heavens rejoiced and you know what? Jonah wasn't happy. He still didn't learn his lesson. He was mad. He went into a big dump. He went into a big mourn because God had blessed people. But let me tell you, God loves people. God loves the Chinese. God loves the Arabs. God loves the Asian. God loves the black. God loves every tribe, every kindred. God's love extended throughout the earth. And we as the church of Jesus Christ should love everybody. And love them as God loves them. Even when they've done evil. Even, have you ever heard people say, oh, certain person got in trouble. Certain person got into difficulty. Oh, well, they deserved it. You know, with what meat ye judged, you shall be judged. How about we release them? How about we let them go free? Hey, in closing, can I ask you? How about that comparison between Joan and Jesus? Look, we're all like Joan. But thank God his spirit can make us like Jesus. And we can love because we've been loved. We can forgive because we've been forgiven. We can preach salvation because we've been saved. We can love as Jesus loved because that love is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost he has given to us. Now, I feel I'm coming to the end. I am come to the end. I'm finished. Praise God. Praise God. But let me ask you, are you thankful today? Would you like to come up and thank him for his love? And if there's anyone here who has never received Jesus as your Savior, I want you to come here up in the middle here. And I'll pray, and my wife will pray, and lead you to the Lord Jesus. Every one of us have to come to Jesus. There's no salvation in any other. But I give you a promise today. The Bible says, he that comes to me, I will never turn them away. Now you might think this is a long walk and it's intimidating. Ha, listen, he went to the cross for you. He's not asking you to be punished or beaten. He's just asking you to come and acknowledge what he's done for you. If you come today, I promise you according to God's word, he will write your name in the Lamb's book of life. And oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. How many know that's true? How many have experienced salvation? Raise your hand. Hallelujah. Did it take a long time? No, it's just that turning. 
just that coming to him and receiving that love of God. How many can say everything has changed? How many can say it's getting better and better? There was a time I dreaded church. Now I love church. I love you because you're here, but I'm thankful he touches our hearts. So I want every Christian, every one of us to stand. And if you're thankful for God's love and you want to tell him you're thankful, I want you to flood this altar. Come on, let's come and thank God that he loved us. His love is limitless. And if you want this to be the day where you receive Jesus, you come right here and we're going to pray for you. Praise God. Come on, if you thank God for his love, we're going to praise him. Come on up.